Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of Acts, chapter 17. Here's Pastor Ryan. So in Acts chapter 17, we're going to be beginning in verse 16. Let's say a quick prayer and and we'll begin. Father, we thank you again this morning for your goodness in our life. Lord, where would we be without you? You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You made the heavens and the earth, and you made us. You made each and every person that's here. You made each and every person that's watching online. Lord, you're the creator. We're just so grateful for the cross. We're grateful that we can have a relationship with you through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit now would just guide us as we study your word, Lord. Lord, we can do nothing without you. So, Holy Spirit, guide us, we pray. You are our God. You are our comfort and our counselor. May you pour out your grace on this time. May you give us humble hearts to receive what you want to say to us this morning. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so as you all know, Paul the Apostle is on his second missionary journey in the book of Acts. Recently left the area of Berea there in modern day Greece because of the persecution that the Jews from Thessalonica, the religious Jews, pressed upon them. And so Paul went to Athens, 300 miles south, and he's waiting there for Timothy and Silas to join him. But as he's waiting there, he he is in the capital of the Hellenist culture. He's there at the Acropolis of Athens. This is the place of intellectualism and study and arts and theater. I mean, he is, it's not just any city that Paul is in. Probably move, it is moving to, we actually read that he was actually moved being there, but not moved in a good way. His spirit was troubled because of the idolatry that's there. And we've all studied the Greeks in school in some form or another, and so we know their history of culture and all of the gods that they worshipped and the mythology. We've all heard of Hercules and Achilles and Zeus and all of these gods that they worshipped. And there in Athens, these temples to these gods were still there. They were built during the 4th century, 5th and 4th century BC, but they were preserved very well. Romans had such a high regard for Greek culture and their architecture that they preserved those buildings, guys. They preserved them, and, and the Caesars even commissioned people to restore those temples that are there. He is surrounded in this classical Greek architecture, and its most famous temple there was Athena. It's known also as the uh, the Parthenon there. And Paul, you know, you put us there, we'd be tripping. And 2,000 years ago, you can imagine the Apostle Paul. He is not just in any city, guys. This is the, the heart of human wisdom, according to mankind at that time. This is the place of human knowledge, human wisdom, and that's where 
Paul the Apostle is, which reminds us that you can be the most intellectual, sophisticated, cultured, learned person, but yet in God's eyes, you are still a very desperate person and in need of a savior. So knowledge or the pursuit of knowledge doesn't save one or accolades in this world doesn't save one. God's not impressed with the education of this world, the philosophies of this world. He is not impressed. And it's a very good reminder that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things. Guys, that's the God that we serve. And to this world, we simply say too bad, too sad. We are to be like an enigma to the world. We are something that is strange to the world, that God can speak through ordinary vessels like you and I, the oracles of God, the things that really matter to mankind, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God, the knowledge of God is the beginning of of wisdom is what the Bible teaches. So don't be so impressed with the learned. I'm not against knowledge. I believe that Christianity is a lifelong education. I think that God calls us to study, to show ourselves approved. I think God calls us to seek knowledge, to seek wisdom, but wisdom of God first, so that you can look at the wisdom and the knowledge of this world through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of Jesus Christ, and not be so impressed, guys. Don't be impressed Do not be impressed. If I can say anything to you, it would be that. Because the Romans, the most powerful empire on the planet at this time, and the Greeks with their knowledge and and all of their higher learning, they are in desperate need of the true king. Caesar himself is in desperate need of the true king. The philosophers of Athens are in need of the true king, Jesus Christ. And so this is the setting, and we read here in verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within himself when he saw that the city was given over to idols. And I think it's a, it's a special word there, just that verse alone, that uh, his spirit uh, within him, uh, was provoked or was troubled because the, of the darkness that's obviously associated with idol worshiping. And you can imagine all around him there in Athens, there must have been statues everywhere to all of these gods. And they had a God for every emotion. Guys, they had a God for everything. And they, as a people, felt like they needed to please the gods. And so he was very troubled at the darkness that was there. And I'm curious if we are living that kind of discerned Christian life today in 2021, where we too, our spirit is provoked within us because of the darkness that's going on in our culture and in our country and around us in our neighborhoods, that we're not just oblivious to what's going on. It breaks my heart when Christians are not privy, not discerning the times they are living in. They don't, they don't see what's going on. They're, they're you know, in, in a sense, intellectually lazy. They're not gathering information so that they can know what's going on in the world. Or they're gathering one-sided information or very little information, fake news or censored, you know, not able to get information. So we live at a time where we need to know what's going on. And I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and mind to, to know what's going on. The Bible, Paul tells us more than once, walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
And I wonder how many Christians would walk into an area like that and just be like, wow, look at the, look at the statues, look at these wonderful temples and the architecture, and oh my gosh, like democracy was born here, and oh, and be all in all of that without having any check in their spirit that these people are dying and going to hell because of their idol worship and their humanism, their humanist philosophy. I don't want to be so blinded by art that I don't know what's going on. The disciples, remember they told Jesus there at the temple, look at these buildings, oh, look at how beautiful, what do you think? He goes, not one stone shall be left upon another, I can assure you. Don't be impressed with architecture. They were known for their many gods. We've heard of the clash of the titans. And so Paul, within himself, is bombed. He would say in Ephesians 6, 12, speaking about that armor of God, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's not just all, it's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual, and he recognized that it was spiritual. So knowledge doesn't make one holy. Good art doesn't make one holy. What makes one holy is if they know Jesus Christ. He's not impressed. And so here he is. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? The Epicurean philosophers here They were a group of philosophers or a group of people that followed Epicurus, who was a philosopher who lived in 341 to 270 BC. And he believed that the chief end of man is pleasure and happiness. So the Epicureans, that's what they believed. They believed that the chief end of of man, the, the philosophy that they were living by was that Pleasure and happiness is key. But the pleasure that they believed is attained by avoiding excesses, they believe. Like as long as you don't go too much of that pleasure that you're seeking, that's the key. And another thing, never think of death. They also believe that if the gods do exist, they don't really have any dealings with us if they do exist. Their main goal was to seek pleasure, was to seek Uh, happiness and never 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 think of death and the stoic philosophers they followed a philosopher by the name of zeno he lived in 320 bc to 250 and they were pantheistic in in their view so they believed in all of the gods guys and in their view they felt that there was a great purpose that was directing their history and that man's responsibility was to fit within himself and align himself with the purposes of these gods through tragedy and triumph they lived constantly trying to please all of these various gods they were so superstitious man they felt that if they did not please these gods that it would go bad with them in their lives for a lot of them they felt that they did please the gods and thus they were better uh, stoics than than their counterparts were better people more moral people because after all they pleased the gods so they were very religious and thought that they were holier than thou because they were very careful to not upset the gods so you have these very religious group of philosophers and you have this non-religious group of philosophers that paul encounters these epicureans man 
They thought that it was all about pleasure and it was all about happiness and not thinking about death. And we see that nothing has changed. I, I believe that the Epicurean philosophy is well and alive in the world today where people are doing nothing but living for pleasure and for themselves. And the cool thing to say now is, oh, no bad vibes. Don't talk about death. Don't think about the afterlife, what happens. Don't think about, it's the same thing. People don't want to think about death, even though 10 out of 10 of us will die. 10 out of 10 of us, unless we're raptured, will die. But people just want to live for pleasure, live for themselves. And in reality, this is why people do not come to Christ. It's because they love the darkness, which is the self-life. The self-life where we don't want to answer to God. We don't want to have to change our ways. We don't want to have to limit ourselves when it comes to the things that we want to do it's all about what makes us happy and that's another thing they say whatever makes you happy whatever makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anybody and bringing bad vibes whatever makes you happy and jesus christ said whoever desires to follow me may he die to himself take up his cross and follow me daily so it's it's a whole different it's a whole different thing here as Christians, I mean, we don't dwell on death, but we know the reality of it because Jesus died and rose from the grave. And for those of us who believe in him, he gives us eternal life so we don't die. We don't die. We just transfer on to a new body. And this is the message that the world needs, but they avoid it. They're Epicurean to the max. That's not to say that we shouldn't enjoy certain pleasures. My goodness, I mean, who doesn't like a double-double from in and out that's not torture to me. The difference is I don't live for myself anymore, and you don't if you've accepted Christ Jesus. You're not living for the burger anymore. You're not living for the pleasures of this world. We're living for the Lord. We are blessed to enjoy pleasures in this world that are wholesome, that are good. We still love art, man. We love art more than artists do. We love music more than musicians do. We love basketball more than basketball. But we, because we, we're in the Lord, man, everything's enhanced and better and the way it should be. And it's a, a taste of the things to come in heaven. Everything's better. Grand Canyon is way more better in the Lord than it was before the Lord. So he gives us pleasures. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But we don't live for those things anymore. We live for him. These are those folks there and they approached him. Calling him a babbler. What is he saying? Another said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. My goodness. The message of the cross, the message of the resurrection. It is power to those who are being saved, but it is foolishness to those who reject Christ. They think it's a fantasy. They think it's for the weak-minded. Oh, you do the church thing. Yes, because you were abused as a child. We understand that patronism. And they took him. So then don't be ashamed of the gospel, that's the point. For it is the power of God to those who are being saved. And don't be shocked when they think we're foolish or our message is foolish. Or that we're just needy. Or that we're just, we were abused. We just, you know, whatever they say. Dude, no. By the grace of God, he opened our eyes to believe something so amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. They took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new 
doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. And so Areopagus literally means hills of Ares. And it was a prominent uh, rock outcropping there in Athens where the city council would judge the supreme court legislative matters would take place there and so paul is going just really to the the city hall the center there of 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 athens but what an opening what an open door of all places where god would place paul it's a place where people just talk and hear about new things and philosophies i mean i give the athenians credit they were searching for something they hadn't found their answers, right? So they're searching for something. And Lord, I pray that you would, that you Holy Spirit would create a gap in people's hearts that they would be more searching for the truth than ever so that we at Sweet Hills might share the gospel with them. We need to pray for our neighbors and our friends that Lord, give them that hunger for, for truth. And then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. And said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And, you know, one of the most brilliant, I believe, sermons of Paul the Apostle's ministry that he would be so discerning to the Holy Spirit. Like I said, like he's sitting surrounded in this, in man's eyes, this glorious architecture, glorious philosophy, and philosophers. And democracy was born there, guys. And yet he can discern that the people here, by all these statues, they're idolaters. They are religious. They, they are superstitious. Look at these temples. Look at these statues. And then he comes across a statue that they had made or an altar that says to the unknown God. As if they had so many gods that they made one to the unknown God, lest they accidentally diss a God that they had not uh, known was there. To the unknown God. He learned through observation and he meets them where they're at. He learns through just discerning. He was a man of prayer. Lord, give me discernment on how to minister to my neighbors, to my family, to my friends, to my co-workers. Give me discernment. Show me where they're at. I mean, that's wisdom. To know who our audience is, that's wisdom. To know who you're talking to, that's wisdom. And it comes from God and it's available to all of us if we ask, Lord, give me discernment, give me understanding with this person I'm about to meet or, or talk to or share with. Lord, give me discernment on, what, on where they're coming from so I can meet them. That's a difference between a church trying to be seeker friendly to try to be like the world to win the world. That's lame. That's the days we're living in. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying know who you're preaching to. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I'm going to minister to these punk rockers and they have blue hair. Let me go dye my hair blue and then they'll really understand what I'm talking about with them about Jesus. No, that's what I mean. That's what some dudes do. 
some churches think, how can I make this more like Disneyland so they'll come? I don't think that's Disneyland. I think that's death. To the unknown God, he wants to speak to them about. Wow. In a sense, don't we say that to the world? I want to speak to you about a God that you don't know. I want to speak to you about a God that you don't know. But you can know him if you want to. I want to speak to you about Jesus Christ, a God you don't know. You've heard of him, but you don't know him. But you can know him if you repent and give him your heart. You can know him. That's what we're preaching today. Anyone could know the real God, but the truth is people do not want to know the real God because they are afraid of what they may find out. They instinctively know that they will have to give up their sinful lifestyles or pleasures. They instinctively know that they will have to give up the self-life. They know it. The Bible says that the truth is in them, but they suppress the truth and believe a lie rather than the truth. Creation itself speaks that there is a God. They're suppressing it. They know, the world knows that they are in need of a Savior, but they suppress it. They don't want to know him because they know they'll, they'll have to change their life. And I was in the same boat when I heard about Jesus, when I heard the word of God being taught. For the first time in my life, I was getting pierced by the word of God. I was being moved by the word of God. And I just did not give myself to its pooling because I did not want to change. I said, maybe later, maybe in the future. I like what I'm hearing, but I just don't think that I can give up the sins that I'm enjoying at this time. That was my thought as a, as a young sinner. Thank God I didn't die before I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Thank God. And some of you here may be in that boat where you think, you know, yeah, it sounds good, Pastor. Jesus sounds good, but I don't want to get to know him just yet because I still want to live the way I want to live. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a deception. Jesus Christ can change you and I like that. All we have to do is come to him and give him our heart. He changes us. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I walk. I was hunched over, but I have been made upright. I was a mess in every way, perverted, violent, angry. I was a mess. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he had mercy upon me and he has changed my life. You can change through Christ, but you have to believe in him. Don't run away from a God who wants to be known by you. He's not hiding. He wants to make himself known to the world. So tell them about him, the unknown God. Tell them about him. So many people, the Bible says that for a crust of bread a man will transgress a crust of bread think about the murders throughout history how many people have been killed over a crust of bread jesus said in matthew 16 26 for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul our souls are the most costly things that we have the most costly thing and only god can save us so why do people spend their lives trying to seek fulfillment out there, trying to seek satisfaction for, for their souls out there? Nothing can satisfy. 
These Athenians, this is what Paul is hitting at them. Nothing satisfies. Nothing that you've been seeking for here is going to help you. But I'm here to tell you about the one who died and rose again. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it. That's how he begins, guys. He's the creator. I mean, when you're talking to somebody, that puts them in that basket. You're telling them, hey, you were created by God. Whoever you talk to, all of us can tell them that. You know you were created by God. That's either going to be like a refreshing drink or a buzzkill, one or the other. But I think we should say that to people. You know you were created by God. You were created by God. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Now, the Athenians, they had faith in all of these idols, these false gods. But they believed that the temples that were there in Athens, like their gods actually occupied that space. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m., or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.